Welcome to Twin Cities Carry Show, brought to you by Twin Cities Carry. Our show covers concealed carry, firearms education, the Second Amendment, and so much more. Uh, tonight, joining me as always is Jim and AJ. We're going to cover uh, some firearm concealed carry myths, a few other things. But first, if you guys haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to us on your pop- podcast app. YouTube. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook group at Twin Cities Concealed Carry. Go ahead and join on on any of those platforms. All right, guys. I wanted to talk some concealed carry myths. I kind of shot you guys some ideas, some things I was looking at. You know, you've seen a lot of talk about warning shots lately. Ugh. Shoot them in the leg that type thing. Uh, I'm just going to cover a few of them, right? Women need smaller calibers or smaller guns are better. What signs really mean? Uh, and, you know, the big one that, that Jim, me, and you kind of got into, whether or not caliber matters or where and when it matters and, and all of the stuff around caliber, right? We all know the you got to have a 45 ACP, a demand stopper, you know, things like that. I think, uh, I think the term in common usage is knockdown power. Yeah, there we go. Knockdown power. You got to have that knockdown power. Got to have that knockdown power. <laughs> Let's start with some of the easy ones, right? Like, I think caliber might take up a bit of our conversation. Uh, what's wrong with a warning shot? <laughs> what's wrong with a warning shot? What isn't wrong with a warning shot? <laughs> right. Well, first things first is it's not effective <laughs> in stopping the threat. What? Um, Where's that bullet going to go? Where is it going to land? I mean, <laughs> arguably, <laughs> adults are smarter than children and I warn my children all the time not to do things. <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't really work. Doesn't help. Doesn't help. Um, yeah. So, if you're taking a warning shot, are you really in um, reasonable and immediate fear of, of death or great bodily harm? If you have time to think about, all right, I'm going to take a warning shot. I'm going to put it in this direction because I know that it's not going to hit anybody. I know where you know where my bullet's going to go. What lies behind uh, my target? Right? Are you really reasonably in a, in fear of death or great bodily harm? I think that's a great argument because, yeah, if, if the bullet is not being leveled at the threat, you've had time to waste before that threat was at you. I think you've got a pretty strong argument that the threat wasn't immediate. Agreed. You know, jumping right into the next one, and I don't want to get political, but you hear a lot of shoot them in the leg recently. A lot of the same problems, right? If you have that's time. Joe Biden? Didn't he the shooting the guy in the lag guy? Uh, yeah. Wasn't he the two shotgun blast in the air? Same guy. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, here's my one political comment. You mean you're trying to say Biden only said one stupid thing? Ooh. Okay. Nice. So, oh well. We was Biden who nice. said both of those? We but yeah, certainly I mean, lost a subscriber somewhere there. <laughs> I feel like this is a perfect intro into one of my favorite lines from that '70s show, Ashton Kutcher. And this, this kind of ties into guns. He always makes that fake shotgun cock. Burn! 
uh, and it's not like Trump hasn't said stupid things too. I mean, oh. it's mouth oh, is bound no. to say something stupid. I, you know, give me Trump a minute. Trump just finds a way to make sure they live on forever in Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the, the the problem is, any all you have to do is watch any video of a of a shooting, and I mean, stick to stick to police shooting bad guys, and you can see cases where they've spent you know a double digit number of rounds, and the guy's still coming at them. You know, assuming that when the crap hits the fan and you can't think and you can't, you know, do anything with fine motor control, that you would have the ability to hit somebody in the leg in the first place, it's not an effective way to stop a threat. Bullets from pistols don't stop threats like they do on TV. You don't see one shot and the person flips over backward. I mean, it's simple physics. That so let's impart- let's not go too deep into that one because that's gonna no no no, no. There's, yeah. there, there'll be no numbers, but it's simple <laughs> physics. You cannot impart any more energy to the person that you're hitting with the bullet than that gun imparts to your hand pushing backward. So if the gun isn't pushing you over backward when you shoot it, it's not going to put the push the other person over backward unless they were leaning on the precipice in the first place. There just there isn't that kind of energy involved in a pistol shot. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes right into the next one of, you know, I, I, I wrote down that, you know, you hear women need a smaller caliber or smaller guns, but really, I mean, there seems to be a, a focus on the smallest possible gun. As some, you know, it's 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 more concealable. Common yeah. misconception that smaller is better. Okay, I don't know how to articulate this without sounding sexist, but generally speaking, the female sex is smaller build than the male sex. It's smaller stature, absolutely. Smaller stature, right? And I I think there's a common misconception that because they're smaller people. A bigger gun isn't going to be the right fit. I, I, I don't know how else to articulate that. Well, the, the, the problem is, I mean, you guys were yelling at me to not go into any physics here. I mean, we just bit off a huge <laughs> issue here. I mean, there are so many ways you can come at this one. What's the easiest gun to shoot? If, 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 if we say the caliber of the gun isn't changing, what makes a gun easier to shoot? When it's bigger and has more mass and can absorb more of that recoil. Shane, what's the most uncomfortable gun you have to shoot? Would it be your LCP2? Uh, it would be my LCP2. Tiny call, call. little thing, 380, yep. a caliber that's considered marginally powerful enough for self-defense, but the gun is so small and absorbs so little of the recoil, it hurts. Yes. It's not a fun gun to shoot. I would say that my P365 is not a fun gun to shoot. I, I would agree with that. The P365 is an excellent carry gun. It is not a fun gun to shoot at the range because for 100%. the same concept, there's some little mass there to absorb the recoil that it goes into your hand and it's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right I mean, off the bat, you know, what's the easiest gun to shoot? The biggest one that you can. Yeah. I, I, I think that is one of the bigger misconceptions when it comes to concealed carry in guns and women is smaller is better and admittedly smaller does conceal better but there is many things a person can do to adjust concealability and a smaller gun plays such a small part in that honestly 
Yeah. I mean, there are many, many different size gums that are fairly easy to conceal until you get to full-size frames. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I want to do is defend myself with an LCP2, right? Like, I, I honestly, I would almost rather have additional rounds in the 22 training gun we have. I would be a better shot. They would be better grouped. They'd be more on target and I have more rounds. But that LCP2 is all infinitely more concealable than anything else I have. I just, I don't like, you know, the argument of, oh, you should shoot a, a 32 uh, ACP or you should shoot, you know, this tiny little gun or... I get that some women love the, the pink guns and the purple guns and that's awesome. And if that's what you like, that's cool. I just hate when you see when you see people just push push women to the small pink little guns. It just doesn't do as well of a job in defense. Well, I mean, the, the, the simple fact is the bigger the gun, the more accurately it will likely shoot, the more comfortable it will be to shoot, the more ammunition it will hold. So, you know, the, the argument is, what is the biggest gun that you can carry and then conceal to the extent necessary? That LCP-2 is not a, a standard carry gun. That is a max conceal gun. That is a, I absolutely cannot be, you know, known to be carrying. So I'm going to carry the thing that, that conceals most effectively. He said, what's the, the biggest gun you can carry? And still conceal. Yeah, what's the biggest gun you can carry and still conceal to the extent necessary? And that and that last part can change uh, quite a bit, especially with the tire and where you're going. But the first part can change season. as well, depending on on where you're going as well. So I mean, there is no not one necessarily gun. one answer. Yeah, no. There, well, I would say that there's not even really. I don't want to tell people to go buy more guns, right? As much as I want to tell everybody in America to go buy more guns. Um, well, if everybody goes out and buys all the guns, there's none left for me. Well, there's there's none left for you right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> not many. I'm you scrounging. Got... I'm scrounging. Yeah, uh, but but you you can't. I don't think you can be complete with one concealed carry gun. Agreed. Right, like you because have... the only way you could is by having something that is so small that it fits all circumstances from a concealability standpoint. And then it's going to fail to check all the necessary boxes in a lot of other places. Yeah. Uh, you know, today, uh, me and AJ were doing doing some items outside. And uh, I was carrying my full-size MMP 2.0 with an extended magazine. I was easily able to cover that with my uh, my, my sweatshirt if I wanted to. And oh, yeah. You're, you're overjoyed that we're in hoodie season. Fully concealable. <laughs> It's full-size gun season, boys. Uh, and I, I, because I'm that guy, I have an extended magazine on it, so I had a fully concealable uh, firearm with 23 rounds ready to go. It was... Uh... And, and it is that magazine extension and the, the, the grip itself that typically makes the gun harder to conceal. It's not that your barrel is three inches or four inches or five inches. It's typically the grip that, that really comes into play. So yeah, 23 round extended magazine, that's not a small thing to conceal, but you know, one hoodie, problem solved. Right, I love it, I love it. Okay, so. Out of, out of curiosity, and we go back to this one a lot, but what did our guy 
Jack Carey in the Texas shooting. What, what, what was he shooting? SIG 229 in uh, 357 SIG. So a compact, you know, about a four-inch barrel as opposed to the 226, which is like four and a half, I think. 3.9-inch barrel, I think. Sure. All right. I'm going to break the proverbial fourth wall. Jim, what the heck is going on with your light? Well, the last time we had a Zoom, you guys told me to turn the light on, and now my camera seems to be wigging out. <laughs> we're gonna give we're gonna know. give somebody with epilepsy a freaking seizure. <laughs> I'll go turn the light out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I guess we're no longer up the light up the lit. Jeez, I can't even talk. Epilepsy friendly. Uh we'll need a, a warning in the front of the show. <laughs> Which is okay because epilepsy warning. <laughs> This, this is how I've done it in the past. It's just the light of the, the monitors. And I have my head the light on. And you guys say, hey, this is better. But apparently we didn't figure out that my camera couldn't accommodate that. It was going to flicker. It's okay. So we'll do an uh, epileptic seizure warning. And uh, I have to totally redo that opening anyways. Because did you notice how much I stumbled there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh -huh. not the joy of not being live. Oh, I like it. Uh, okay. Let's jump into the real one that I think me and Jim at least want to talk about is if and where and when caliber matters. I, I, me and Jim had a long talk. Go ahead. You talk about this like you and I have a disagreement, and where we drew the disagreement was just in the scope of the argument. You were talking about something like this, I was talking about something like this, and it's only in that extra area that I added that you and I were disagreeing. And I, I think that distinction's important, though. Sure. But, so go ahead. So, okay. I would argue, and I would say, caliber doesn't matter in your conceal and carry gun. And I would tell you caliber doesn't matter because all pistol rounds are too slow to do real damage. Uh, comparably to a, a battle rifle, right? Or a 30 caliber round moving at in excess of 3,000 feet per second. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a difference when whether you're above or below that that traumatic injury threshold. What, 2,250 feet per second, I think, is the number? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, no pistol is going to get that um, other than, you know, some sort of an AR pistol with a, a rifle round in it and just a short barrel. But, I, you know, I think the caliber does matter, but it's not necessarily the first thing you should be looking at. You know, I, I think what every one of us in this company has individually chosen to carry 9mm. Yep. Well, I mean, if we aren't all carrying a bunch of different calibers, then caliber does matter. Because we've all decided on our own that 9mm is the best caliber. And some of that has more to do with non- And that's where the, that, that's where the distinction comes in between Shane and me. He's Other talking about from the standpoint of stocking, stopping a threat. actually impact things. Yeah, I'm talking about the idea of, you know, shootability of the gun, how many rounds can you carry, things like that. Right. That's why I'm expanding the argument over what Shane is saying. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can stop somebody with 22 rounds. You can kill somebody with 22 rounds, but we're all in agreement that the nature of the design of the rimfire cartridge makes it a poor choice from a reliability standpoint. So... 
Does caliber matter? Well, yes, because it's more likely to go click instead of bang, but does it matter from the standpoint of stopping the threat if the bullet actually hits him? Maybe not. You know, I, it, shot placement over caliber is definitely an argument that has some merit. Yeah, but how the... much is shot placement going to be at your discretion in a crap hit the fan situation? I mean, if you're Jack Wilson, it's not even a concern. Uh, yeah, I, I did the test. I'm no Jack Wilson. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I wrote in big, bold letters in, in my show notes was uh, caliber doesn't matter, but shot placement does, right? And, Jim, we kind of went over these numbers. Um, and I'm not going to share them, but, you know, when you're talking about uh, a muzzle velocity exiting the barrel, right, so muzzle velocity at the barrel, they're all, with the exception of 357, they are all within 100 to 200 feet per second. When we're talking 32 ACP, 380, 9 millimeter, 40 Smith & Wesson, 45 ACP. Now, I understand that we're going to have some variation in the bullock reins, and therefore, sure, they may be leaving at a similar velocity, but we have more mass being imparted. But, you know... Well, and, and you can make an argument, too. I mean, if you want to talk about energy imparted, you can start talking about, you know, concepts like momentum instead of, of velocity, because now that's going to take into account the mass, momentum being mass times velocity. But you can also make an argument, too, that, you know, if you're in an urban situation, a situation where there are other people around, maybe a 45 is a great choice because that's the slowest bullet. It's the one that is going to have the least range beyond where you're trying to hitting trying to hit somebody and therefore it's the round that's least likely to hit a bystander 200 yards you know further away when it when it over penetrates or something like that so i mean this this whole idea of does caliber matter you have to define where you're you're stopping the argument how what you know what are the parameters you're willing to discuss that's a fair point i didn't look at i didn't look at numbers for for bullet drop um yeah, well, you know, it, it drops at the same rate as, as you know, something that you just drop from the ground, you know, 32 feet per second squared, 9.8 meters per second squared. So if you've got a lower velocity, it's going to travel less distance before it hits the ground. You know, in, in yeah. what, a 45, you get down to something like 850, 900 feet per second as opposed to a, a 9 millimeter, which could be 11 or 1200. Yeah, so I got 890 on a 45 versus 1210 12, on a 9 mil. And yeah, 32 feet per second per second. I mean... Now, is that an argument that you need to take into account when you're when you're you're uh, determining what pistol you're going to carry? I don't no. know. Not really. I, I, I'm not going to. We're, we're overanalyzing it. Um, yes, you know, absolutely, and I, we, I I'm known to do that. But no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think, you know, it all comes back to nine millimeter checks all the boxes, right? Recoil. Yeah, it, checked, it checks more boxes than any other round is why yes. we've all decided that that's what we're going to carry. Mm -hmm. If we ever come up with a way of actually determining what is stopping power, what is the best characteristics in a bullet to stop a threat, you know, this argument might get similar, but for the moment we have laboratory tests and we have to use our best guess to determine which of those characteristics equate to the best ability to stop a threat. Yeah. 
I don't know. It, it's it's been picked apart for ages, and I don't think we're gonna change it. We're gonna solve it tonight. Yeah, right. Nine millimeter. Get your so, guns out, boys. No. <laughs> we're not live. We're not gonna get kicked off a stream. <laughs> <laughs> the clown is here. What is it? Uh, forty-five ACP, the Lord's caliber. Uh, I thought that was fifty caliber, but you was know, it, I, was it? Uh, no. Zeus used thunderbolts. Oh. So you're saying we need uh, real, real rail guns in pistol form? Ooh, yes. I wonder what it would take for that to happen. Yeah, what kind of a backpack would you be wearing for the energy? Source? I mean, battery I was gonna say, technology um, has really advanced. You still need a significant increase in, in uh, energy density. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a battery wouldn't alone do it. You'd have to have some capacitors in there as well, I'm sure. And so there'd be a different, definite uh, lag time between shots as you re-spooled your capacitors. You know, I recently saw a video of a guy who had which I could just best describe as a portable Tesla coil in a backpack with a handheld, you know, kind of like a flamethrower setup. I feel like that could probably do it. There's enough electronics in there to make that happen. Yeah, the only difference is you just have to step up the amperage, right? Go from it being a, a party toy to an actual weapon. Put a barrel down the middle of that thing and call it a day. I wonder what the ATF would have to say about that. <laughs> would it fall under their jurisdiction? Come on, that was a great transition, guys. AOW, right there. Right? Speaking of AOW. Lightning gun. Quick patting it. So, Jim, you wanted to touch on... Okay, I'm assuming we've beat the caliber thing to death. Does it matter? Does it matter? Yes, but not for the reasons you think. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I had brought up the idea of, since it's in the news lately, and it is kind of a confusing subject, the whole idea of the ATF and the honey badger and pistol braces in general, making something with a brace now considered to be a short-barreled rifle, and now it going being something from you know simple purchase at the store with a permit to something that requires a, a tax stamp and a waiting period and a two hundred dollar fee, and uh, you know just to talk about that a little bit, uh, you know that's that's more your guys than I am. I'm just generally a a handgun guy. You have more of the longer gun experiences than I do, but. I had to look it up, and it sounds like the answer is basically, is the brace something that's going to be used as a stock? If so, it's a short-barreled rifle, and they've arbitrarily decided, arbitrarily being my word, not theirs. No, but, it's, uh, you're right, though. The brace is more likely a stock than a brace, and therefore it's now being classified as a short-barreled rifle. So, so there was an initial uh, determination letter uh, from a essentially a field agent, I believe, which is is very weird. That's unique to this situation, um, or, or unique to the ATF. But basically, it, it stated that the Q Honey Badger was indeed a, a short barrel rifle, uh, as it was intended to be used in that manner. They've since issued a stay on that for sixty days, uh, and then there is a letter. So Q 
sent a, a letter, a letter back to the ATF explaining their position. Uh, I believe it was Wiley Law Forum. I have to double check that as we speak. Uh, helped them uh, draft that letter. Additionally, now they have released a opinion that the ATF is going to classify SBRs. I just pulled up the letter. Yes, it is the Wiley. Yeah, they're Wiley. they're well known law firm for for yeah. firearms uh, advocates. Um, but they've uh, released a letter to their clients stating they believe that the ATF is going to uh, have another determination letter stating that you know uh, longer barrel pistols, uh, SBRs, braces, right? These are all going to fall under a any other weapon, AOWs, which would require a tax stamp. Uh, in a open-ended waiting period. Uh, but so I don't think anything's going to happen with anything until after the election, right? I believe that the ATF, after getting pushback some, some, yeah, from some Republican uh, congressmen, congresspeoples, uh, they issued a stay on their initial letter to Q stating hey you know what we're not we're gonna we're gonna hold off for 60 days and before we make a new determination that i really think is specifically related to what's going to happen in the election right the atf is currently headed by obama appointees and um depending on which way the political winds go they're either going to have support and backing or they won't so uh so 60 days so initially what happened is q in conjunction with um, SB Tactical, developed their Honey Badger. SB Tactical developed a specific pistol brace, um, and they sent it into the ATF for determination. If we stop asking ATF to make a ruling, <laughs> they wouldn't make these rulings. But um, yeah, I mean the the braces are. A workaround in the first place. Right? I was going to say, we should really explain what a brace is. I mean, the braces came out of the necessity of... Right, so the way the AR-15 is designed, you have a buffer tube that sticks out the back. And for a long time, guys just had the buffer tube sticking out the back with maybe, you know, some people put a piece of foam on there, whatever. And, you know, they're not... They're... The ones created to be pistols are clearly large pistols they're sizable they're not concealable i mean let's be honest right and so the braces came out a necessity of one you know wanting a little more control without then reclassifying the weapon as a a rifle well let's be honest now there's adjustable braces we're kind of in this great territory where we say it's a brace but it acts like a stock, you know, I, I get how we got there <laughs> through evolution. Um, I mean, people are trying to live within the guidelines that they're given or the laws they're given. And, you know, we push those boundaries clearly, right? I mean, I think there's too many laws. That's, in this that's human nature. Place. We're always pushing boundaries. I mean, they're just going to go back to what, was working before and it's going to be the same thing just in a different configuration so yeah i, I went ahead and shared my screen this is what the q uh honey badger looks like live q or die 
Sure. Ah. Uh, Not a cheap gun. Spendy. Ooh, she's up there. Oof. Uh, I, the, the article that I have up just literally calls it a Gucci AR. Gucci AR pistol. $3,200, and it's not even a full rifle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, I have a, actually happen to have a brace right here on, on my desk. I mean, this is essentially what we're talking about initially. They've now, you know, if you pull up that honey badger again, mm-hmm. I mean, this one is not expandable, not extendable, rather. So, the, I mean, the idea here is it just kind of sits against your forearm and you know, helps maintain control while you're shooting. The one on the honey badger there actually extends out. And as you can see, I mean, it's not going to be thin like this. I mean, it's... it's so this was out. this brace was specifically designed for this rifle, which is why they went to the ATF requesting review. I mean, I, I can see why it's questionable. Uh, it's a stock. Look at it. Yeah, it is. Yes, we all know it, right? The ATF said... If you go on those lower pictures, that second picture actually shows it. I mean, look at that thing. How is that not a... Yeah, I was going to say, I've got... uh, I've seen lots of rifles that look exactly like that. So... Self-inflicted. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you ask for a review, too. So so the problem... Failure on two levels. (laughs) And I don't blame Q, right? Like and I don't disagree with what they're trying to do. Let no. me be clear. But this is how we got there. The, pr- the problem is, is that the ATF is able to make these, as you said, arbitrary, and I agree, determinations on what is, what isn't, right? Like, a lot of us have seen the meme, and I'm going to try and pull it up, of, you know, this is okay, this isn't okay on the, on the rifles. And, like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of rules, and what happens is the ATF says, okay, you can do this, but you can't do that, and the gun industry being incredibly innovative and lucrative finds workarounds, and part of me loves that so much. Well, I've seen those charts that you talk about where you know, it lists all of the different criteria, and I look at that, and because usually it's, it's in response to somebody asking, hey, I'm trying to build this thing, and here's what I want it to be. And can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? And have somebody, and somebody will post one of those charts, and I'm like, forget about it. I would never build such a thing. I'm going to the store and buy something that has been classified as this, this, or this, and that's it. Because I don't have the ability to wade through that chart and figure out, am I within the law? It's just that complicated. I found it on iFunny. Hang on. <laughs> So, like it, it's nice. I like it. <laughs> I love this. This should one. be the size of a poster and framed. Well, that's the problem, though. Is this is probably outdated too? It changes, yeah, probably. <laughs> right? Like, <sighs> I don't. I don't get it. It's you know, and, and we can sit and we can we can complain and, and rail against it, but I shall. It, it's. No, neither party is interested in actually reforming or correcting or repealing the NFA. Like, they're, they're not interested in it. And those of you who may not know, the NFA is the, the National Firearms Act of 1934. Uh, it was 
it, it helps. The beginning of the downward say, spiral. If I might share for a second, this is the chart to which I was referring. <laughs> yes, that's. I mean, forget <laughs> that about it. I am not going to sit there and go through and and verify that what I'm building meets the criteria and be comfortable that I got it right. Forget about it. Okay, so you're not wrong. Like being comfortable that you're right is why people go to the ATF and ask for a determination. But the ATF is not interested in helping you skirt rules and regulations. They're just going to give you a determination that says no for their arbitrary reason. And now because it's a freaking law, uh, 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 because it's a determination, everything is now judged by that standard that they issued on that law letter. Yeah. Now, to, to, to slightly derail, the kind of the reason I wanted to bring this up is, of course, we're talking about one item, a pre-built by a manufacturer and sold as is as a complete unit item. The problem is, of course, everybody's now worried about the slippery slope. If they've said this doesn't qualify, what's next? What's yeah. next? What's next? And I, I think you guys have done a pretty good job of addressing this. That clearly is an item that could be construed as a stock and not a brace. Anything that is still a brace, clearly, as AJ showed, is probably not in any danger of having its status change. So it's not actually just, okay, it's actually two rifles. They asked, Q asked specifically for the Honey Badger and the Sugar Weasel, which their naming convention here is interesting. Um, and I'm going to share the sugar What the weasel. hell is a sugar weasel? Well, this is a sugar weasel. Uh, this has your standard SB tactical brace. I, I don't know my SB tactical braces. I believe that's an SBA3. I could be completely wrong on that. Uh, this also has a, uh, a suppressor on it, which would make it a one-stamp firearm. Well, I think the honey badger you showed had a suppressor as well. Yeah, I was just going to kind of uh, elaborate on what a what a one stamp or a two stamp firearm is. So, right, it takes a tax stamp to get a a, a suppressor. It's two hundred dollars. It takes anywhere from four to nine to twelve months. I think I don't know. Um, I've certainly heard of people having to wait more than a year. Yeah. I've heard that maybe e-form is quicker, but I've also heard that maybe it's not. So, uh, uh, quicker is a loose term, <laughs> right? When you say quicker, you still mean over a year. Yeah, still a long. Of January long time. is still slow. Yeah, we may be fourteen months as opposed to eighteen months. Yeah. So if you were to take the same rifle and you were to put a standard AR stock on it, and the barrel is shorter than sixteen inches, and the overall rifle is less than 26 inches, it would be a short barrel rifle, which in order to have a short barrel rifle, because of the NFA, you would need a second tax stamp. So an additional $200 and an additional waiting period. That would make but I've got a, I've got a question. If yeah. you go back to the Honey Badger, that brace can telescope. Yes. How is the overall length defined? Is it based on the shortest possible configuration or the longest possible configuration? Do you know? It is the shortest possible. Okay. Well, okay, so the brace isn't part of it, right? So oh, that's not, that's not counted as part of that overall 26-inch length. So when it's a brace, it's not a pistol? Yeah. When it's a, when it's a brace, it is not a rifle. 
Uh, that length only applies if it is a stock. Yes. Ah, now, now there is some form of See, like I said, overall... there's no way in crap I am getting this stuff figured out and right to build something and have it be compliant. There, there is, there is a very specific length of measurement on on a pistol that does come into play. I, I just cannot remember exactly what it is right now. Um, and this is the problem, right? Like there, are, there are people out there who do, who, who are very much into this world. We are not in the NFA world ourselves. Um, we de- we we dip our toes. Dabble. We dip our toes. <laughs> We like to check the water temp, but we're not committed to jumping in the pool yet. Length of it was length of pole. All right. So the ATF has advised that a braced pistol with a length of pole in excess of thirteen point five in- inches may constitute redesign of a brace into stock. In addition to length of pull, overall length should still be measured. Okay, so now what's length of pull? I don't, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Would that be something uh, like the end, end, end of the brace to the trigger or something like that? Yeah, but and it, the, how the angle you measurement measure it's, it is it's, an issue. It's something like that, but it's still more complicated. Correct, which was actually what one of the big issues with the Q honey badger determination was, is how they measured it was very inaccurate. Um, yeah, like the they being the ATF? Correct, yes, okay. ATF, thank you. Uh, and this is, this is the problem, right? Like, the laws, which it's not even fair to call it laws, the regulations are written in a way I believe to make it very difficult and to make it very cumbersome. And now you gotta, you gotta get your tax stamp. You gotta give them $200. You gotta wait an additional length of time. And now you are registered as having that tax stamp. That is a legit registration. Whereas, you know, right now I can go buy a pistol or a rifle and it is not a registered firearm, which is a big issue for a lot of people, myself included. Absolutely. So, you know, it'd be nice to see somebody actually care uh, in office, aside from the four uh, representatives that did sign and send a letter to the ATF. Boys, can uh, vote. you can vote me in. Write me in, boys. I'll care. Um, TC no. Carey for president, 2020. We only got a couple of weeks, but I think we can get the votes out. Sorry, but Kanye 2020. Sorry, I think I misheard you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kanye I think, I think he just got fired is what happened. <laughs> I haven't heard a dumber thing in 2020 yet. That's it. Oh, I did not vote for Kanye. Have you voted? I have. I have. Okay, I'm surprised I'm, I'm Kanye gonna... figured out how to get on the ballot. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to... Go do it on Tuesday, like typically. I was telling AJ earlier today, I am the rare individual who... I'm going to out myself, but I don't think it's a big surprise. Uh, I didn't vote for Biden. <laughs> you did But uh, I, I requested a mail-in ballot because I hate lines. I hate people. I don't hate people. I just don't like being around people. Um, 
And I definitely don't like people lions. are okay if they, as long as they're over there. And <laughs> as long as they're not around me. Uh, so I requested a mail-in ballot, and uh, I sent that in right away. That was done. That explains why we were when we were in the car today for six hours. You sat in the seat behind me. Didn't say anything. Well, weird. It was weird. It's weird for you. It was normal for me. <laughs> No, I, I've locked out the, the polling place I have is not usually too crowded, so it's not a problem. I told Shane this earlier, you know, I I get a weird sense of satisfaction from going and voting. I don't I don't get the same kind of feeling doing other things. I don't I don't know what it is. I I get a weird like bump in my soul when I vote. It's almost like telling somebody to F off. You know what I mean? It's like, yep, not you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I sincerely hope, because normally, right, you, everybody knows the people who, who moan and complain about, you know, this president or this candidate or this elected representative, but it's the same person that never freaking voted. And it's like, you literally, you, you don't get to complain because you couldn't even find it in you to go vote for the person you like. And I don't care what side of the aisle you fall on, if you can't actually go vote, I do not want to hear you complain. Well, especially when you hear all the complaint, people complain about all the power that, that mm -hmm. uh, you know, the political action committees have and stuff like that. You yeah. know, if everyone voted, those groups would have no power. To be completely honest, though, I don't, like, I don't care if people vote or not or don't vote. Like, yes, it's your, it's your right to vote. It's also your right to not vote. I just don't want to hear you complain if you didn't vote. Agreed. Oh, that took a weird turn. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. You guys got anything else you want to dive into? I no, I think we took the wind out of the sails as soon as we started voting. <laughs> right, right. I did. We didn't touch on like signs here in Minnesota, um, and like you know this establishment yeah. band. There's, there's always there's always future conversations. Yeah. Uh, on the next show. Signs in Minnesota. Signs, hey, signs everywhere. Is signs. If it's federal property, pay attention. If it's if it's just a uh, private establishment, make your own decision. You Except know what for we do for the next show? What? You get everybody in the group to start snapping pictures of every sign they see, and we can just go through fifty signs. Valid, not valid. Nice, stupid, great. Seems like work. Well, I mean, if, if you want to do that, just go hit that, that Facebook group that, that's out there. But, I mean, I maintain the whole idea. When I'm teaching class, I don't care whether the sign meets the legal requirement anyway. It's hard it's to tell that. More, it's nothing more than a heads up that the property owner doesn't like guns, so go conceal. And if the and, sign isn't legal and they ask me to leave, I'm still going to leave. So that is very specific to Minnesota, though. That is not the same in every state. Oh, absolutely. And that's another one when I go with it, too. You know, when, when you cross the river into Wisconsin, that sign means an entirely different thing. Mm -hmm. And for uh, some of us, that's a very short drive. For others, it's a non-factor because it's never going to happen. But it's a very good point. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's call it a night. I think, you know, we probably lost everybody as we delved into that voting thing. <laughs> Well, I'm getting the impression you're going to do some editing before this becomes a podcast. Eh, 
Probably that's... not. Again, that also yeah. seems that also seems like work. <laughs> and we're already an hour later than normal because um, we had some adventures today. Yeah, because you guys decided to go a little extra hike. Uh, somebody was holding the map backwards. I don't, you know. We had a map. <laughs> Land nav was not our first course. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll talk about uh, setting up uh, deer stands in the next. <laughs> in the Sounds next like the discussion needs to be more about getting the deer stand to the site. <sighs> Just know I'm where you're going. Talking. Know where you're going, and know what's available to you for moving that stand. As long as I'm going to take a wrong turn hauling anything out of the woods, I'll be all right. I don't know if I'm hauling my deer stand out of there. I was referring to the deer, but... Uh... Oh, God. <laughs> I may buy a four-wheeler between now and... and... <laughs> all right. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining us. If all right, well, everybody in Minnesota who is watching this page that is going hunting, last but not least, please be safe. There's a lot of people, a lot of guns, and a lot of accidents that ha happen every hunting season. Please don't yes. be one of them. Wear your orange, stay sober, enjoy Keep yourself. Keep your on. <laughs> Get your deer. All right, thanks for joining us. This is the Twin Cities Carry Show. Uh, if you haven't already done it, please subscribe and like us on your podcast player. Join our Facebook group at Twin Cities Concealed Carry, and uh, have a good night.